Redbrick Recap, People Papers Podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Redbrick Recap. I'm your deputy editor, Emily Calder, hosting here with my lovely print and features editor, Natalia Carter. It's her first time on the podcast. And today we are here with the lovely Sport. Would you guys like to say a quick hello? Hello, I'm John from Sports, <laughs> one of the three editors here. I'm Kit, one of the other two. <laughs> uh, and I'm Luke, the, the last remaining of the, of the three sport editors. Oh, we also no. count. Thank you for clearing tell. that up. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, would you like to introduce yourselves? Well, you already have done, but maybe in a bit more detail and how you got involved with Red Brick. Yeah, um, I am a final year student here at the university. I've been writing for Red Brick for uh, about half my time here. Um, so after a year of just writing, I went for the editorial role and was lucky enough to get it and have been editing for how long, like six months now, a bit, bit under that, five months, something like that. Yeah, so I'm second year student. Um, I got involved pretty much from start of, from Fresh Sweet pretty much, went along oh, to... Keen well, Bean. <laughs> <laughs> um, got recruited at the sports fair by Jack our editor last year um, <laughs> and then had the pleasure of trying to recruit people this year at the same thing um, and yeah like John became editor uh, last September and been editing ever since yeah I'm a uh, I'm a f- master's student fourth year at the University of Birmingham um, I initially got involved with Red Brick Sport in my first year uh, I think I wrote about one article and then didn't really stick with it but I come back round uh, in third year same time as these guys uh, had a year of solid writing and contributing and then made the leap to editor and uh, beat off some steely competition from absolutely no one else yeah, uh, we to get the editorial <laughs> position. Yeah, there were actually four positions for uh, for our, our roles, weren't there? Three applicants three for applicants four positions. Four positions. Oh. So it, it, was, it was tough, but we, we're all here today. Clearly three was enough. Mm. Um, Talia, do you want to introduce yourself as it's your first time? Hi, Hi, I'm Talia. Uh, I'm the current print and features editor. I'm a final year English student. And last year I did comment online editing and then I jumped again with very tough competition. No one else ran into the print and features editor. And yeah, hi, it's my first time. Be nice. (laughs) I'm sure they will be. Um, Would you now like to tell us what sport journalism means to you? Um, what your favorite part of your role is yeah sport journalism um well it's uh just helped me follow sport like throughout my whole life you know growing up always on bbc sport twitter etc can't get enough sport i think as as many people in the sport team um are the same really we just like consume it at a potentially unhealthy rate really so um the chance to like write about it was really really fun last year and yeah the chance to edit it is also like incredibly fun you get to read a lot of different people's perspectives um which is is really cool gives you a a bit of a broader understanding yourself and then um yeah it's really nice putting everything together and uh just expanding your knowledge as well as like indulging in something that's really fun and like you enjoy anyway yeah i'm I'm also a massive sports fan i probably spend most of my time talking with people about sports anyway so why not write and edit about it as well um sports journalism something that I might like to get into after university and um in terms of my favorite part of the sports editor role just kind of learning about all the different clubs at sports clubs at the University of Birmingham like we've had so many different sports like from I don't know taekwondo 
basketball triathlon like so many um and just great to kind of find out about them and it kind of reveals that there's something for everyone in terms of sport at university sports journalism for me i think is um sort of yeah both of what these guys said i'd echo it but i think for me is definitely uh hopefully a, a future career uh something that i want to go into something i'm planning on going into uh and in the process of going into doing like sending off my applications into the world uh ready to get those sweet sweet, sweet rejections um <laughs> which yeah, <laughs> which uh which is fine but yeah definitely something i want to pursue uh as a professional career touch wood um in terms of editing um i think for me I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I like a final I like the uh, producing a final product um and making sure all the little details are like as I want them to be slash as they should be uh making sure everything looks good and just looks like something I would want to read because when I do read newspapers and articles online I'm always looking and seeing like oh I would change that I wouldn't have done that um and this is a great opportunity for me to do my own thing in conjunction with two other gentlemen of esteemed talent and taste yeah before i change it yeah go through it all and change it because i don't trust anything he does and then we go through and change it that's true, <laughs> that's true. again that's true Simon. <laughs> gray lines now your gray lines are good now yeah. no no honestly like we ea'd the last issue and we were like mm, everything was great we barely had to change a thing i was very impressed um new year new sport exactly clearly um would you like to tell our listeners about any current conversations in sport that are going on right now that maybe you find particularly interesting? Um, I think Tyler and I have something to contribute, but we'll <laughs> let you guys run with it first. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm going to nick like one of the big one and one we, we hope to have an article up for next edition um, featuring uh, coronavirus's impact on sport, um, which is becoming more and more widespread. Um, it's, it's already been announced that the... Um, the Ireland-Italy game in the Six Nations um, in two weekends' time. That's being called off um, already because, of course, coronavirus is pretty bad in Italy. A lot of talk about the Euros in summer being called off, even chatter about, you know, the Tokyo Olympics. So that's a pretty relevant one right now um, and a pretty sad one as well. That's not the kind of sport we like reporting on. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just echo what he said. Um, I was speaking to uh, Jack, one of our writers, who's hopefully going to write something about the coronavirus in sport. Um, and just what stands out to me is I can't think of anything, at least as long as I've been following sport, um, that's had such widespread disruption. Kind of, it seems like everything's got the potential to be cancelled right now, kind of in the upcoming months, which isn't ideal, but... It'll, it would definitely be interesting to see how it's handled and hopefully it's not big, as big of an issue as it looks like it could be. Mm. Um, me, again, continuing with the lovely happy theme that we've got going. <laughs> um, I think racism in sport, uh, for me, is one that always... It's a conversation that ebbs and flows every time there's um, an incident. Um, you know, It's top of the news, back page, front page even, um, and then maybe dies down until the next sort of thing happens. Uh, but you've got Colin Kaepernick a couple of years back taking the knee. Um, he still hasn't come back into the NFL and probably never will, which is a great shame. You've got incidents of Raheem Sterling being racially abused. And I think it's something that, because uh, I, I study politics um, as an undergrad degree and as a postgrad degree as well. Um, I think the li linkage between sport and politics is something I'm always looking for and always intrigues me because I think there's no way you can keep them separate because sport is so widespread in society and 
is so important financially to a lot of countries, um, especially when you consider the impact of hosting the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, and you get wider issues such as human rights abuses in Qatar and Brazil when they're building stadiums and forced migration, stuff like that. It's all, it really interests me. And corruption within FIFA as well. I've gone on a bit of a tangent about politics in sport, but I think <laughs> racism for me is the one um, that ebbs and flows, especially in this country, because we like to think we're above it all. And it's countries such as Bulgaria or Albania that have real problems. But we ourselves, there are incidents every week where you know players report it. It might not be in the Premier League, might be in League One, might be in Scotland, but it is there, and I think it is an issue that still needs to be addressed remarkably yeah. um, in 2020. Yeah, there are a lot of good stories as well. We're not all doom and gloom, you know. Like we like to report on, you know, sport on a sort of nightly basis throws up like great stuff. I mean, we was watching the Champions League tie last night, Man City Real Madrid, like a really great game, sort of a, a watershed moment for Man City. So like. Every day, basically, every day sports on it's, it's a there's a great story, but there's also a lot of macro issue, issues at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we're covering a lot of at the moment. Lovely, thank you. Um, on the topic of sort of intersectionality in sport, we have our International Women's Day feature coming up. Yes. Um, and Luke and Kit, I think you both wrote on something. Do you want to speak a bit about who you chose to write about and what you said? Um, yeah, so I chose to write about Emma Hayes, who's the Chelsea women's coach at the moment. Um, I just wanted to talk about how she's kind of really driving forward, not just getting women involved in male football, which traditionally has more attention, makes more money, etc., but also trying to improve women's football as its own kind of like section of the sport so um i think what i wrote about was stuff like she's not afraid to at least suggest radical changes such as making pitches smaller making goals smaller and we can kind of debate all day about whether mm. that's kind of paradoxically kind of undermines the women's game even more but i just wrote about the fact that she's willing to almost put her reputation on the line of those suggestions and i think that's something that's definitely admirable i wrote about vicky orvis um who was the first uh, female football writer at a national newspaper or tabloid uh, when she was employed by The Sun full-time in 1995. Uh, she sadly passed away last year, um, but her legacy, um, and as like an inspiration, I think is, is there to be seen. It's very uncommon, I think, when I, I don't know about you guys, but I think reading about sport, particularly football, I think I don't often read articles or listen to podcasts where there are female contributors. Um, which is crazy, really, because I think there's there is no difference between in writing. Like they shouldn't be. Um, so the proportions are definitely down, um, in my opinion. And I think um, her status is an inspiration. And she founded or she co-founded Women in Football as well, which is a network of female professionals within the sport. Um, she's a, a very key figure in that no it's interesting that you talk about women in football did did you play football when you were little talia absolutely not <laughs> no i don't have an athletic bone <laughs> in my body the closest i got to any sort of sporting achievement was managing to hit a rounders ball into my face i played football throughout the whole of primary Love school it. i had yeah, studs and everything um it was a great time but i know i never thought like when I was in primary school, if you ask a boy what they want to be when they grow up, they will probably say a footballer. And it never occurred to me that I could have been a footballer, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think kind of opportunities in sport for women, like that's something that's kind of infiltrated my whole life, but I haven't even really thought about it. I mean, I'm not like the most athletic person in the world, but like, I don't know, I never, <laughs> I never took seriously the kind of 
idea of a career in sport, I think, in the same way that boys are kind of told they can. Hmm. Yeah, well, I guess similarly, like, I was never really pushed in that direction. So, like, with PE and stuff, like, I sacked off PE so many <laughs> times because I, because I could. And it was never really encouraged as, like, a like this is something you can get into as a hobby and as a pastime. Hmm. It was always just part of the curriculum that I was forced to do, like, I had to take part. So I feel like it's definitely moving in the right direction. It's really nice to have sports focus on women journalism and women in sport as well, because they're great. great. There has been, a, I've, I think personally, I've, I have noticed, you know, a bit of progress from sort of no women involved in sports reporting to some, at least. And in terms of the women's game as well, I mean, they've started to ramp up their sponsorship deals and and tv rights and stuff i mean the women's super league i believe was shown on the bbc all year this year is that correct so um that that's the first time that's that's you know been available for consumption so um obviously it's nowhere near the men's game um and there's a long way to go but yeah it's definitely been progress over you know the last few years it's def- i think an important thing is having having role models um, to look up to so I think it's going back to what you said Emily about um, not feeling like you could be a footballer I think for me you know we had countless role models growing up oh, yeah. you know, Ronaldo, Henri, Drogba, Lampard etc these household names whereas women's football was not as you say John it's only recently becoming like publicised yeah. you had the World Cup a couple of years back that was amazing to have like, I, I watched loads of games yeah. and that means if girls are watching games as well they have role models to look up to look up to and you've got the likes of Alex Scott who's I think it's a fantastic pundit yeah that regularly appears on Sky Sports and BBC um ex-footballer as well but that you know she's there providing a role model you have people like as Kit mentioned Emma Hayes is a real popular figure uh within the women's game and it's talks about her moving over to managing the men's game I think that will happen personally I hope yeah. it does but yeah I think role models and viewable figures which comes from putting the sport on TV yeah and I think a lot of um, people maybe don't know that um, one of one of the women shortlisted for the best female player in the world was a, was an English woman, Lucy Bronze. Um, she was a, a, a top three candidate, and you know many people argued she should she should have won. But regardless, it just shows like in England there are a lot of really talented female players, and um, you know who are rec- recognised worldwide. So yeah, I totally agree with with your role model point, Luke. And I think to bring it back to rubric a little bit, um, something. <laughs> Always. Always bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> no, something um, I've been really happy with in the sports section this year is we have had a fair few female writers, mm-hmm. um, which again, sport kind of traditionally quite masculine so- section. Mm-hmm. But um, so, like last year, I'd say compared to last year, we've definitely got an increase. Um, it's probably getting closer to kind of 50 50 split, male and female, which is just really good to see. And we want as many writers, regardless of gender, to to come along to our meetings do you guys play any sports at uni or have you um i try and play basketball (laughs) define try kit (laughs) well basketball is traditionally for tall people um i'm not i'm not that short but i'm not that tall either so um that's a struggle but um no i just i play kind of casually um in like the social sport times um down the sport and fitness center and I just really like it. For me, it's kind of like, it's almost like a 101 of lots of different ball sports I've played in the past. The skills kind of translate. So stuff like moving without the ball, fitness, um, kind of teamwork, communication, all that kind of stuff's really important. And yeah, I just really enjoy it. 
Uh, I play handball. Uh, started it in oh. 2016 when I uh, came to came to uni. Didn't know, didn't really know a lot about it other than having watched it at the Olympics. And I now comfortably warm the bench for the first team, <laughs> uh, which is nice. And yeah, I play as much football as possible. Not for the uni team, but just sporadically, as and when. Kick, nice. Six side kickabouts. Yeah, I've never I've never been in a in a uni team. Uh, myself I've played a little uh, last year I played tennis outside of uni and um, yeah I've done various um, six aside football experiences five aside football yeah a little bit of this a little bit of that but nothing uh, nothing serious just write about it instead and watch it I felt like we're probably in the same boat I did women's rugby for I do you not know this about me for a month in second year um, and it was a similar time to when I joined Red Brick and I really enjoyed it but I just, I couldn't make like the 6am start. So I was like, Ooh, nah, so it wasn't fun. And then they wanted me to pay for my membership. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't <laughs> think I've got the time for this. Um, I so. interviewed the, the the women's rugby coach this year. And um, yeah, her schedule was like yeah, it's awful. Intense. I cannot imagine doing that in winter as well, all through winter months. Yeah. And out on the 4G, I don't know, I feel like that would rip up your knees but mm. apparently it doesn't so yeah they're lovely girls uh, any time that um like lids and i walk home together because she played lacrosse for a little bit um and we see lacrosse and rugby training and we're like oh that could have been us but here we are doing red brick <laughs> no regrets you guys this year have come up with a column called sport that stuck with me um do you each have a sport that stuck with you particularly or have you guys written for this already? Would you like to fill us in on what you said? Have we all done one? I think I we think have. I think we've all yeah. done one. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, was it your idea, Luke? I think it was. I think it was. You run with it. Run with it. So yeah, it was just uh, sort of a, an idea I had, I think just to write about um, like a moment in sport or a game or an experience that you had, um, be it playing or, you know, watching sport that really stuck with you? Because I think a lot of our articles are very analytical or informative um, and we don't really get a lot of like personal touch in there. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can give your opinions in an analytical piece, but I think this is just more of like a stream of conscious thought telling a story which doesn't often happen within sports journalism, which I think, you know, I did the first one and I did it about um, Chelsea football team I sport winning the 2012 Champions League final. First time we did so. Um, and becoming the only London club to win the title. And it was, you know, I watched the game with my dad. It was very emotional. I think we were both on the verge of tears, but we didn't cry. Um, but there was a lot of jumping up and down in the living room and hugging um, when we won on penalties in a very dramatic way. Um, and that is stuck with me forever. It will stick with me um, forever, I think. Yeah, I did mine a couple of weeks ago. Um, I nearly wrote about 2012 as well in the Olympics um, coming to London because I think that was that was just a great time. I remember the country was absolutely buzzing. Um, but um, I went for something slightly more more niche and personal. And again, it, it revolves around my football club, Arsenal, um, and just a moment where our sort of legendary player, Thierry Henry, um, came back to the club for a second stint. He'd, he'd left, gone away to America, and then come back. And uh, on his return, he, he just scored scored the winning goal and... Uh, Whatever the stadium went, stadium went wild, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it, it didn't win us anything, and <laughs> and apart from a game, and and he didn't do much more after that. But like, it was just an incredible moment of like nostalgia coming home to roost, and like and like a, an amazing storyline as well. And that's what like that's what we love about sport. All the story storylines converge, and unexpected things happen. And yeah, you you never would have thought he'd be back in the Arsenal colours, but he was back and scoring. So yeah, mm-hmm. we love that. 
What a man. He was my favourite footballer. <laughs> was he? Season, so he was. <laughs> Amazing. My whole family were Arsenal supporters. Uh, boo. <laughs> Who do you support? Not technically anyone, but I feel loyalty well, to boom. my dad. I feel loyalty to my dad. He's a Tottenham. Oh, fan. That's fair. That's so fair. There's a bit of like yeah. rivalry there. So yes. That's Sorry. true. No, That's I've, true. I've been to I've been to maybe two or three Arsenal games in my life when I was young. But Probably more than you, John. <laughs> <laughs> we won all of them, so it was a great time. Um, I, I I think maybe they went downhill when I stopped going to their games. As we speak tonight, Arsenal getting ready to play uh, the mighty Olympiacos and probably listening to this. Well, you'll already know that they'll have won like 5 0 or something. So, up the gunners. We can only hope. And yeah, my sport that started for me, Column, continuing with the football theme, I did Leicester City winning the t- Premier League title. I'm not a Leicester fan, but I think Luke and John will agree. Um, you, like, you literally cannot put into words how big an upset that was. It's probably, in my opinion, the biggest shock in, in all of sports. Um, and I kind of framed my column around kind of a conversation I had just before the season starts when Leicester won the league and I actually thought they'd get relegated um, <laughs> so not not what you want from a sport editor but um, I just wanted to kind of emphasise that just again to say how kind of unforeseen it was and yeah it was just ridiculous and kind of taught me to never rule anything out even if it's 5,000 to one odds. Lovely. Um is Leicester your Leicester's not your local team, is it? It's not. No. Um, What's your local team at home? Oh, my closest Premier League team's Watford, but I'm a Southampton fan. Why? Um, oh, my dad's side of the family is <laughs> from down there, so fair enough. I say I got stuck with them, but we're doing all right at the moment. Better than Watford, so much better than nearly better than Arsenal. Yeah, all right. Ooh. Don't come for me. <laughs> Controversial tension Let's in the Redbrook office. <laughs> I wrote my sport that stuck with me fairly recently. Um, and that was for me about being from a rugby town. Um, I'm from Northampton, so our rugby team are the Saints. I love them to death, what a team. Um, football hasn't really been a big thing for me because we've got the Cobblers. Mm. Um, mm. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, I think that's been, been quite a thing for me. Do you guys have a home team that's kind of been important to you or are you, are you more like venturing a, elsewhere? Yeah. Well, Arsenal were my home team, to be, to be fair to me. It's not, um, I was born very close to them. Um, when I moved, um, a little town called uh, Bury, well, Bury St Edmunds, and they had a very, very small team, which was always fun to go to for like two or three pounds on the day. But no, really just an Arsenal fan, just a, a big club fan. Nothing nothing too interesting. Um, well, speaking of Northampton Saints and rugby, oh. um, <laughs> my local rugby team is Saracens, who've, had a lot of, of controversy mm-hmm. recently, but um, yeah, North, Northampton's not that wasn't that popular kind of circa 2014 in my household because that was the year that Northampton beat Saracens in the Premiership final. The debatable try in the, the last minute. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm creating a bit of conflict, but um, yeah, Saracens would be my local team, and yeah, didn't like Northampton very much kind of <laughs> five years ago, but. That's a real shame, Kurt. I know, I, I can see you're devastated. <laughs> Luke? Yeah, um, I live not too far away from Chelsea, for, but I, I that's not that technically true. I live on the outskirts of London and Chelsea's mm-hmm. in London, so close. But I support them because of my dad. My local team is the mighty, Glory Hunter. The, the, mic, the mighty Wickham Wanderers, um, who, who currently, you've flipped between League One and League Two in England. My best friend, one of my best friends at home, 
is a full-time like Wickham fan. I'd describe myself as a part-timer. Uh, but he's got a season ticket. Uh, so I've been to many a home game, many away games, far more games than Chelsea because it's more affordable and, and closer to me. Uh, so Wickham, the chair boys, uh, have a have a very special place in my heart and I always look out for their results. I'd say they're my team as well. Okay. Um, the, the nicknames are superb. For it's because they, they, they made... Teams, they, they? High Wickham is famous for its chair industry, John. Oh, Back in the boys. day. Hence the chair boys. And are Northampton famous for their the cobbling? Cobbling. Cobbled yeah. streets. Cobbled streets. No, of, no? Um, cobblers is in shoes. Oh, shoe oh. cobblers. Yeah, um, nice. we yeah. have shoe factories. There is a shoe museum, if any of you should ever find yourselves in Northampton. Oh. Wow. Um, and the musical Kinky Boots is set is set in Northampton. I thought you'd enjoy yeah, that yeah. fact, Talia. Yeah, that really tickles me. <laughs> <laughs> um, my local team's Reading. I don't know whether they've got a nickname, but, but they're Royals. Like Scots yeah. Online. The Royals. Royals, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a lion, th- it's Royals. I was thinking it should be the librarian, but that's just for a joke. I mean, I'll take that. The, my favourite part of sport are the mascots, because... <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but there's a whole like Twitter feed of mascots looking sad during moments of silence. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen it, please look it up. It's my favorite thing. Um, but I actually used to be a mascot for a bit in one of my previous jobs. And it's very fun, but also horrible, but very fun. Um, I've knocked over a child accidentally. There's some really brutal children who tried to rip my head off <laughs> and like tackled me to the ground. It's hard work. But um, my question, as a nice little light, and antidote to the coronavirus ruining sport um what mascot would you be and why what were you talia um so my mascot like that was given to me in the job Mm. was an owl but i feel like i'm more of a seal because i've been told i have surprised seal energy (laughs) if you've ever seen the video of the seal getting shocked on like the ice again youtube very funny but i'm very easily startled so i feel like that's more my vibe what mascot? So uh, is it essentially we're choosing our favourite animal, basically? Or an animal that like resonates with you. <laughs> or an object, John. Dishwashers can object. be mascots too. Hey, true. You might or be washing a chair. machines. You might want to be a chair. Yeah, true, true. I mean, yeah, the mascots that always come to mind. I mean, the the English ones are all right. You know, they sort of do a half-hearted impression of enjoying themselves. I, I always think. I always like look through the mask and think, you're not having fun under there. I mean... Uh, spoiler, uh, yeah. no one is having fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, because because I, I can I can sense that through their, their mask. I, I never buy into it. That Whereas American mascots, they are loving it, honestly. They are having like the time of their lives dressed up. I reckon they've got the decked out suits with the fans inside because you can get ones with fans. If you don't have the fans, you're a sweaty mess and there is no in between. As soon as you get in all of those layers with like, there's mesh that makes you like bigger and stuff. And then it's Mm. not a fun time. I can tell you that much. It's very warm, especially when you uh, have to lead, follow the leader for a birthday party. It's not fun. Um, But I imagine maybe the English ones don't have the fans because that would definitely add to the misery yeah I, ju- I remember being at portman road which is ipswich towns stadium and there they have two uh their horses they're the tractor boys so i guess horses kind of make sense as their mascots and um yeah i was i quite like that as a design and they would sort of charge around and go around high-fiving but yeah i imagine um yeah the horses had like big smiles on their fake heads but i imagine the person <laughs> inside did not so, so happy <laughs> but, horse. but yeah I'll, I'll, whatever i'll go for a horse ipswich town horse i like them they high-fived me so sure i think i guess i have to be a sheep with my last name i love that shepherd. Yeah. Shepherd. Nice. Um, nice yeah that's the best i can come up with a sheep is there a sheep mascot <laughs> nothing's Not coming my head to my i don't mind. know kit can be the first 
Um, for me, well, sort of tying it back to Wickham Wanderers, uh, a person that makes a chair is called a bodger. And the Wickham Wanderers mascot is therefore called a bodger. And in primary school, when this information was relayed to a bunch of five or six-year-olds, it was discovered. Clever people made the link between Bodger and Bosher, my last name, sounding very similar. So I had a nickname of Bodger kind of growing up. So that would be me. Luke Bodger. Yeah, amazing. But what exactly is a Bodger? Someone though? that makes chairs. So it's a human mascot. Well, it's, it's a weird mascot. I don't think, I don't, I couldn't describe to you what form it takes. It's kind of weird looking. Interesting. I think it is human, yeah. It's a human, yeah, okay, human shaped. B B O D G E R. I think it is human, just wearing like a Wickham Wanderers top. Bodger. That feels like a bit of a cop out mascot on their part. Yeah, like, it's just a, just a guy. Not, not on your part. <laughs> in general, yeah, like from a Wickham human for a mascot. Yeah. It should like, be a chair. Don't have a mascot, just have a, a person. Chair. Yeah, a chair. How would that oh, work? Oh, no. oh, I don't like that. That is creepy. For anyone listening, I recommend Googling. It's not a fun time. I don't like it either, <laughs> Luke. Like it. How would like a chair that. work, though, John? I don't Where know. would the eyes go? That's Where would your point. eyes? In the bit that like supports your back. But what kind of chair would it be as well? A wooden chair. Well, what? no, I meant type. Or rocking <laughs> or... Rocking chair would be too difficult to move Desk. around. I feel like it needs four legs for stability mm. and then mm. it can just kind of wobble. Humans famously only have two legs, though. Exactly. So that would be so quite would you hard. Be? Well, it's a chair, John. It could, <laughs> could be a two-person two outfit, though. Or you can be like stood in the back half and the front two legs are just like part of the Fake. costume. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I see. Mascots aren't real. Smart. No, you're smart. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> good. That's this is good. a woman that knows her mascots, John. She, she okay. really does. I have experience. Okay, sure. Also, to go back to the sheep, um, Colorado State University has a team mascot of the sheep, but unfortunately he died on the um, oh, no. team's big day. So, <laughs> so there's an opening. It wasn't a fair, There's an opening for <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that wasn't a fun Google. Wait, uh, so a real sheep? I, I assume so. Cause mm. I hope the mascot... Die. Yeah, again, because not real. That whole, that if whole anyone's listening up. and didn't know they were real, we've ru- like ruined their day. <laughs> it's like Santa all over oh again. Oh my goodness, all the tooth fairy. What's the mascot, the really scary looking mascot? Is it like Port Vale or something? The one that... Like no, there's one in Scotland. Yeah. It's like Partick Thistle. Pat- no, it's Partick Thistle, yeah. It's Partick Thistle, yeah. If, give Partick Thistle... I wouldn't call it scary. Um, mascot of Google. Oh, it's quite endearing. Yeah. Mm. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? So, let's try and describe it. Imagine the sun gone wrong. Mm. Half human, half Teletubby sun, but cartoon face and very confused and angry looking. It's not a good time. Yeah. Whoever designed that needs a speaking to. I think they may have done it to uh, sort of unnerve the opposition, potentially. It, it should work. It's yeah. very unnerving. And, it, and yeah, the uh, the tests yeah from this room. Consider me unnerved. It's worked. <laughs> Our final question for you, Sport, is just can you give us a taste of what's, what's coming up in the paper? You. Yeah, we can accept, expect to see you <laughs> in Ooh, Sport. Lucky me. <laughs> and soon my red brick rounders issue <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's your sport that stuck with me isn't it so that is coming up please yeah pick up a coffee to read Sunday Emily uh, yeah back page we've got a uh, coronavirus story as we talked about a little earlier um and yeah we'll keep going with the Bucks page which we've had throughout the year um what have we got this week we have probably ice hockey um they've got an event coming up on the 12th of March ice ball and an interview. Oh yeah, an interview with um, 
an instructor at UB Sport Fitness, which um, um, the writer who's writing it says is very inspirational. So is that a meek? We're looking forward to seeing it. It is. Yes. Oh, we love a meek. She's, she's joined Redwick recently and she's just, she's such a keen bean. Great at distribution. Anything else in the paper, Luke? Uh, Six Nations content as well. Always. I believe uh, a women's cup final review, which is happening this weekend yep. um, between Chelsea and Man City. That'll be reviewed by Lauren. Talk about the relegation race in the Premier League. Yes. That's there as well. Up local interest with Aston Villa involved. Gorgeous. Well, thank you, Sport, for joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Talia, for joining us today. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Redford Recap. We will see you soon. Bye. Redbrick Recap. People, Papers, Podcasts.